1550 ESPN. There was a really good chance we were going to get into today's show and I was going to be in a bad mood, but I am happy to be here, happy to be with you right here on 1350 ESPN. We are streaming live on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page, and my happiness was going to depend on what happened last night in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Uh, had the Bucks lost to the Nets, I would have come in in a downer mood, but I am in a wonderful mood, and that is where we begin today. We head north to the city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where they are just, uh, I, I, I believe it is cautious optimism. It is terrified happiness. Joining me from 1250 The Fan, here in the afternoons, his name is Rami Makhlouf. My old buddy Rami is with us. Rom Dog, uh, I imagine there is a giant sigh of relief in the city of Milwaukee today. Turn this, can you turn his phone on? Turn, hit the on button there, buddy. There we go. Robbie, we got a brand new producer. Thank you there for being here. Much better. There we go. I imagine. Now you can hear me, right? Now I, now I got you loud and clear. Yes. Sigh of relief, Wicked. I'm currently walking my dog through, the, uh, through Humboldt Park in the Bayview neighborhood of Milwaukee, and uh, it, I'm breathing easy as yeah. I walk the dog, and I feel like the whole city is breathing pretty easy tonight for another 24 hours. And then uh, our, we, all our butt cheeks clench up and uh, get ready for Game 7. I bet the, uh, the yeah, I say about this time tomorrow, people are going to be coming out of their hangovers. People are going to be getting, you know, getting their, their honey-do list done early in the morning, Rami. And then the, the, the tension is going to begin because, I mean, you and I can talk about plays and X's and O's and all these kinds of things, but it's more so getting over a hurdle, a hump. It, it's... The, where the Bucks are at right now, it feels like watching from afar, everyone's waiting for the shoe to drop because of a coaching situation or whatever. But are Bucks fans happy or are Bucks fans more nervous going into tomorrow night? It's been an emotional roller coaster with you. <laughs> I, 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 think you I think you know that I, I, I try not to be like reactionary sports talk radio guy. I try not to ride that emotional roller coaster and be a victim of recency bias, but and I don't know, I, I, I haven't been able to control myself in this series. I went from knowing they're going to win this series and whoever comes out of this series is going to win the NBA championship to uh, knowing this series was pretty much over when they were down 0-2 and then uh, knowing they were going to win this series again when they evened <laughs> it up. And, uh, and then after, after game six, I was like, man, I, I can't even bring myself to believe in this team again. I'm just going to watch it and whatever happens, happens. I'm not I'm done believing. I'm done doubting. I'm just going to watch it, and whatever happens, happens. Yeah, when they were 16 in the third quarter of Game 5, the series was over. And, and there was no way they were going to blow that lead. And then they do. How concerned were your listeners in Milwaukee, Robbie, that this team was going to come out flat yesterday? And on this, uh, you know, the, the, the similar question, how concerned are Bucks fans, do you think, that they can't ride this emotional wave into Game 7? I mean, every, the home team has won every game in this series, Wicket, and, and it's hard to, to believe that they are going to go, not that they can't, but it's hard to believe 100% that they are going to go to Brooklyn and pull it off. And, and you said something a minute ago talking about this team and, and how it's not all about basketball, that there's, like a, there's a hurdle that they need to clear, and I think that there's a lot to that. I don't, this team doesn't always react great to pressure and big situations, and um, that's been a problem, and that starts... That often starts with Giannis, and I think sometimes they have been overwhelmed wicked by uh, by the by the road crowd in Brooklyn and and the, the the size of the moment here in this series. 
Talking with Rami Maklaw from 1250 WSSP in Milwaukee here on 1350 ESPN. Wicket's World, I'm Mike Wicket. Game 7, Bucks and Nets tomorrow night. Uh, we are finding out just how crazy people are right now in Milwaukee. I, I notice on social media and listening to Milwaukee Sports Radio, like you guys on, on 1250 The Fan, I don't want to say fans are turning on Giannis, but is the mood a little different for Giannis from fans towards what he's able to do and grabbing and pulling this team and trying to get them over that hump? Honestly, I, I feel like that has only just started, and, and Buck fans maybe weren't hard enough on, on Giannis before this. And, you know, you know Wisconsin Wicket. You're here for a long time working in this sports market. We are a friendly people around here. And, and when, when we attach our loyalties to a guy, we really attach our loyalties to a guy and don't have much negative to say about him. And, and Giannis is a great player and still my favorite player in the NBA. But, what, what, but there are flaws, man. There are flaws in his game. I think there are flaws in terms of his, his I, don't, I don't want to say mental approach, but what I just talked about a second ago where, where big pressure situations seem to get to him. I mean, look at his, look at his free throw shooting and, and jump shot percentage in the postseason compared to, to the regular season, and especially in, in big series like this one or last year against Miami or two years ago against, against Toronto. He just isn't the player that he is for 82 games or 72 in this case during the regular season, and, and there's, there's something to be said about that. doesn't mean he's not a great player. It doesn't mean we don't love him and he's not still our guy, but, I mean, there are flaws, and I, I feel like people tippy-toed and danced around that for a long, long time until, really just until this series, when, when people started pointing it out, and I started pointing it out uh, during the last series, Wicket, that we, we, need, we need better from Giannis. I need to see from Giannis what we saw from Kevin Durant in, in that game five loss, and not that he can do all the things that Kevin Durant does, but just that mindset that I'm the best player on this court and I'm going to prove it to you if you don't believe me by stuffing a basketball through a rim and down your throat. And he just doesn't have that killer instinct sometimes. 30 points, 17 boards, three dimes. All those stats are great for Giannis. That's a pretty typical night for Giannis and Kumbo. But the stat that mattered the most to me was he was 0 for 0 from three-point land. Yes. I, I, it took five games for, the, for this team to realize the interior advantage that they had. And it took five games for Giannis to realize that he sucks at shooting the basketball. <laughs> is that more on coaching or is that more on Giannis? Because last night looked so different from any other game in this series. And not just Giannis, but this Bucks team has been very out of character for much of this series. And they've been, for as good as Kevin Durant has been, they've done a lot of this to themselves. And, and they've done a lot of to, to themselves by not being who they are and, and trying to play iso ball and not moving the ball around the court, not moving around the ball, not using the pick-and-rolls and screen-and-rolls that made him so successful during the season. I don't really mind that the Bucks are jacking up a bunch of threes. And if shots aren't falling, then you're probably going to lose that game, and you probably just have to live with it. It's, it's the bad shots. And, and most of Giannis's threes are bad shots. And the Bucks, as a team, have been taking a lot of bad shots throughout this series. That's what's killing them. I mean, yeah, I, they, they could exploit what's going on in the paint a little bit more, but that's just not been who they are throughout this year. Wicked, they're a, they're a shooting team. They're a three-point shooting team, and they were really good at it in the regular season. It's gone off the rails here in this series, but I don't think you get too far away from who you are, and, and they've done that. Not the number of threes that they're shooting, but in, in, the, in the quality of the threes and jump shots that they're shooting. And Giannis is probably the, the greatest culprit in that.
Talking with Rami Makhlouf for another minute or two from 1250 The Fan up in Milwaukee. Mike Wicket with you here on Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. I think it's safe to say every team, every city has this with players, where there's always one hot lightning rod of a player where half the fans love him and half the fans hate him. And for the Bucks, for the last eight years, I think, especially the last four or five years, that player's been Chris Middleton, who turned in the game of his life last night when the Bucks absolutely needed it. He dropped 38. It's such a cliche for me to say, where's the fan base at with Chris Middleton? But is Chris Middleton winning fans over at a record rate in the last four games? No, it's about the same. It's about the same. <laughs> it, has, it, hasn't, it hasn't changed very much with you. We're very divided. And some of us, like myself, aren't really sure what to do with Chris Middleton. There have been times I've, I've defended him. There have been times where I've crushed him. And really, I think that might be, and this is, this is sort of a, a revelation I came to recently about Chris Middleton, is, is that what, what might be keeping him from being a top-tier player? Is that he's just, he's just not consistent enough. I mean, yeah, what we saw yesterday was an absolute killer out there on the court. He can do that for you a few, uh, every, every now and then. Actually, actually quite often, but the guys who are on a level with, you know, a Giannis or a Kevin Durant or a James Harden or, or you know, the top-tier superstar, you can pretty much count on that from them night in and night out. And you never go into a game necessarily knowing what you're getting from Chris Middleton. When he's on, he's great. It's just that he's not on often enough. We're getting, I, think that's, I think that's why there is the divide about him because he looks so good sometimes. And you're like, oh, my God, this guy's one of the best players in the league. And then there are other games where he just doesn't show up. And both those versions have shown up in this series. Do you believe any truth to the rumors that the Bucks are considering Rick Carlisle, regardless of what happened last night? How much did that hang over uh, this team, do you think? I'm, I'm sure they're looking at coaching candidates. I'm sure they're doing their due diligence. Um, if they, sure if Rami, talk- if they lose this game Sunday, uh, Saturday night, if they lose tomorrow night, yeah. is Budenholzer gone? I think so. Because with, I mean, with, with a hobbled James Harden and no Kyrie Irving, there's no excuse to lose this game. There's no excuse to lose this series, Wicket. There isn't. And, and the Bucks fell short if they lose this series. If they had all three of those superstars, I've been saying all season long, you don't, you don't fire Coach Bud because you don't win a championship. It, it's all going to depend how loud the thud is when this season ends, if it comes short of a championship, and how painful that fall is. And I think, I think it's, it's that much more painful, it's that much louder a thud when you lose another series that you shouldn't. People were going into that Toronto series two years ago going, they shouldn't lose this series. Nobody thought they were going to lose the whole one last year. And when Kyrie Irving and James Harden go down in this series, everybody's looking at it and going, they shouldn't lose this one. That'll be three straight years they lost playoff series that they had no business losing. And ultimately that falls on the coach. And I, I think if you look back in the offseason, Rami, they traded away three first-round picks to get Drew Holiday. And if they lose tomorrow night, they will have – this was a – chips in the middle they signed drew to a huge deal i realize that but if they lose tomorrow night they will have given away three first round picks for a second straight second round exit i know a lot of it's going to be on Giannis. i know a lot of it's going to be on bud but their general manager john horst he has so much riding on this game tomorrow it's unbelievable actually because of what i just said wicket i the one person I haven't pointed a finger at during this series when I've gotten down is John Horst. Because but, I look at but I look will. at this roster. I look I don't <laughs> think I will. I look at this roster and I think it's good enough to win a championship. That's his job. It's also his job to hire the right coach to get the most out of that roster. But when you just look at the roster that they have, I love Drew Holiday, man. 
he's been he's had a rough series. Even last night, his best game, he didn't shoot the way you need him to shoot. But I love Drew Holiday, and I think that was I think that was a great pickup. And I always caution people, whether it's a trade like a Drew Holiday or a free agent pickup, don't judge the whole thing on one year, and especially not the first year. You made a four year investment in this guy. That means that you're gambling that in the next four years, you're gonna you're gonna get where you're trying to go with him. You're not gonna win championships every year. You sign guys to four-year deals to give yourself a good chance at a championship for four years. I don't think it is a win a title or fire horse, win a title, whatever. I think if they, I think if they get to the finals, that's the next hump. You, you are a, you're a Chicago Bulls fan. You, you know how it took them a while to get out of the East and get to the, the NBA finals. It takes teams a while to build. I think that the traditional route the Bucks are on, the trajectory this year points to a finals. If they don't win the whole thing, but they get to the NBA finals... I think that is a step in the right direction. That's a co- I don't know if they make a coaching change then, but I think that's the next progression in, in the story of Giannis and this Milwaukee Bucks team. See, I, Wicket, and I'll, I'll go back to what I said when this series started, even though I've, I've kind of wavered on that. When I look at this thing, when I, when I remove my emotion and recency bias from it, and, and I look at this thing and, and the Bucks and the Nets, I think that whoever comes out of this series should win an NBA title. If the Nets are healthy, they're probably the best team in the NBA. And if it's not them, then it's probably the Bucks. I don't see anybody coming out of the West who, who I look at and say, that's probably not a series that you should win if you're the Milwaukee Bucks. And ultimately, that's, that's where I'm going to judge the ending of this season on. Mostly Coach Budenholzer. I don't think John Horst is going anywhere. I don't think there's going to be a major roster shakeup. I think your big three will still be Giannis, Middleton, and Drew, and, and we'll see what they put around that. But as far as Coach Bud's future goes, I, if they lose a series that they shouldn't lose, I think that ultimately, fair or not, falls on his shoulders. Well, I was going to say, you've spent so much time waffling on this conversation that you want, you belong down in that Waffle House with that guy from Mississippi <laughs> who spent 24 hours. Rami, the next time I have you on, we will dissect what 24 hours in a Waffle House really means. Because it's the stupidest and most awesome thing in the entire country right now. And I that was wish, amazing. I wish we had more time to talk about it, but that's where you belong, considering you have no real opinion on the Milwaukee Bucks and Nets series. I just gave you the, the, you the gave Bucks. Me all, win tomorrow. You gave me all of the opinions. The Bucks are going to win tomorrow. How's that for you? Hot take. Bucks in, Bucks in seven. Bucks in seven. Rami, appreciate it, my friend. Uh, good to talk with you. We'll do it again soon. Anytime, Wicked. See you later. That is the Rami yeah. Maklov. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. At, at, uh, Rami is tweeting. Hear him weekday afternoons on 1250 The Fan, WSSP up in Milwaukee. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about with the waffle story, it is the biggest story in the country. It is trending all over. It's ridiculous and awesome all at the same time. We'll talk about it coming up next on 1350 ESPN. Thirteen fifty ESPN, Mike Wicket with you here on Wicket's World. Don't forget, you can uh, catch the Cubs. You can catch the Cubs and the uh, they playing the Marlins tonight. Game one down in Miami, uh, right here on thirteen fifty ESPN tonight. We are also streaming on the uh, ESPN Des Moines Facebook page. Make sure you like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN DSM. The story. Of the day that has taken over. And what's, what I love about this one is it's one of those stories um, that would not have been a thing in, in, in any of its popularity, say, 15 years ago. But because of Twitter, it is a thing. Guy's name is Lee Sanderlin. 
and he lives down in Mississippi. And I'm just going to read you the first tweet that came in. I'm coming to you live from a Brandon, Mississippi Waffle House. I, a total loser, came in last place in my fantasy football league. As punishment, I spend 24 hours in a Waffle House. Every waffle I eat shaves an hour off the clock. It's 4.07 Central. So he started this yesterday afternoon at 4 o'clock Central Time down in a Waffle House. And he's... And this would not have been a thing without Twitter because it is blowing up like crazy. Thousands and thousands of likes, thousands and thousands of retweets, that, all of that stuff. Like, it is nuts what he's had to do. So he finished dead last in his fantasy league. And for his punishment, he has to spend 24 hours in a Waffle House, which, by the way, Pete, our producer, Pete, that is an awesome punishment. That's a great punishment. We don't have anything in my league. I think if you finish last in one of my leagues, you get your money back. Like, we go the other way. Mm. I can't even see you. There's a microphone. There's your face. Beautiful face. Uh, so that's a cool punishment. Do you have any kind of punishment, like, it, for finishing dead last in your league? No. I don't think we have any reward or punishment in my league. But we should. We should no do reward? Like no reward. You don't play for money? Nope. We should, though. Yeah, you should. Can. What's the point of playing? You know, it's for fun. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in three leagues. One is a cheap, fun league with some old friends and in our old building I used to live in, uh, in a loft. Uh, one is with my guys, uh, Rami, who we just had on from the fan in Milwaukee. I'm in a league with him up in Milwaukee, all the guys I used to work with up there. And then I'm in what is called a Survivor League. No, not a Survivor League. A, um, why can't I think of it? Uh, guillotine League is what it is. Oh. Have you played in a guillotine league? I have not. What is that? So you, everybody drafts. There's 17 teams. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I think this year there will be 18 teams. But there's, in, in traditional years, there are 17 teams, and everybody plays everybody in a week. Mm -hmm. And the low score is out for the year. Oh. And then that guy's roster become free agents in an auction. Oh. So the first, like your first round pick could be Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. And if you get knocked out, if you have the low, let's say Mahomes has a bad day or nobody else does well in your team, because these teams are very, very thin. You know, mm -hmm. people were looking at my roster like, you, you drafted that. I'm like, yeah, there were, you know, 17 guys in the league and you do nine or 10 rounds or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so that whole roster becomes free agents. By the time you get into week six and seven, if you're still alive, the teams that are coming in are super teams that everybody has a chance to bid on. So by the time you get to the final four weeks and you can't, they don't do the auction thing in the final four weeks, that's uh, where the teams are just like, you I mean, you have Insane. Julio Jones and you have DK Metcalf and you have Christian McCaffrey all on your roster. Uh, I got bounced about 11 or 12 last year. It was awesome. It was the best fantasy league I've ever played in. I can't wait to do it again. But we didn't have any punishment. We did play for money. Mm -hmm. the, the embarrassment was if you got knocked out the first week. Like my buddy Travis, who lives here in Des Moines, he got knocked out week one. That's tough. I mean, that's embarrassing. You paid your, we paid 30 bucks, I think was what it was, something like that. We played for 30 bucks a person. Winner got 400 and change or whatever after they take their fee out. But it's the most fun fantasy league I've ever played in, in my life. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a punishment other than you just don't want to lose first. This guy down in Mississippi... He lost at the end of whatever week and wound up having to, and his, I could read you all of the tweets because his punishment was to stay in a Waffle House for 24 hours. And have you been to a Waffle House, Pete? Oh, yeah. Okay. 
You yeah, you go to school at Mizzou. There's waffle yeah, houses there, down there. There's like three waffle houses okay. down there. The, the the waffles there are large. Yes. Right? Like, we're not talking about little Eggo waffles no, no, you no, pop no, in no. your toaster. They're a plateful. Yes. They're a plateful. And for every waffle this guy ate, he got to shave off an hour. Oh, man. Does what? anybody have a tally of how many he's eaten? He's done. He's out. He's out. He, he's finally out. He got out a couple of hours ago. Okay. Uh, let me get the final numbers on so you. So if he started at 4 p.m., he probably had to eat like six or seven waffles. I think he was there for 15 hours. He ate nine? I think he ate nine. Oh I gotta, let me let me Let me confirm that because he talks about how he just feels like death. Uh, I would, too. He, he wrote, this one came in from him around 6.30 in the morning. The sun is rising. It's a new day, and I'm never eating waffles again. That's nine waffles and 15 hours in this restaurant. Ooh. I hope he tipped well, right? Like, you, yeah. I mean, he stuck around. You know how there's the lingering customer? And I imagine this Waffle House wasn't that busy mm-hmm. for the entire 15 hours. But, you know, if you've ever worked in the food industry... There's the one guy that just orders coffee the whole time and never leaves. Mm-hmm. That guy's the worst. Yeah. Nobody wants that guy because he's not adding anything to his bill. He's just having coffee for three hours. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's got something to do. Maybe he just needs to, to be alone for a little bit. I do hope this guy tipped very, very well. He had to have. I would think. Nine waffles, 15 hours. He said, shout out to the staff for letting me hang out on a slow night. I tip them very well. Don't worry. I want to know what that number is. Because what, what do you think the right tip there is? I mean, each waffle is, what, three bucks? Something like that, yeah. And he ate nine, probably had oh. some coffee. I would imagine he didn't have anything else to eat. Mm-hmm. Why would you waste the space yeah. on anything besides the waffles to shave off an hour? A couple of times he, talk, he talked about um, how long it took him to eat the waffles. Because mm-hmm. those things are massive. And I think when you get to waffle six... Yeah. Or waffle four. You start to hate waffles. <laughs> like, I'm not that big of a waffle fan, yeah. personally. But this guy wound up eating six. His team, by the way, was terrible. Carson Wentz, bad. Josh Jacobs, underachieving year last year. Devery Henderson, horrible, especially at the end. Uh, DJ Moore, good pick, but often would have that zero catch game or that two for 22 catch game mm-hmm. uh nelson Aguilar had, oh. had some big games yeah but that's not a consistent fantasy wide receiver uh i don't even know who this tight end is for cleveland bryant oh I no I, I don't even know who that is no and then he had uh josh kelly who got hurt running back for the chargers at a flex spot uh, he had the Rams defense fine, Mason Crosby fine. All the kickers are pretty much the same. So uh, his team definitely sucked. That was He said, I found my roster from like week eight or whatever. Just not good. Also, I'm definitely puking soon. <laughs> <laughs> Just had to put that reminder in there. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. Daunting task. He tweeted his whole way through. And I think my favorite tweet on all of this is he wrote that he was the big loser in fantasy football, a man who lost his family football league having to spend New York Times covered this. The Waffle House tweeted out. I like this. The Waffle House tweets out, sounds like someone won his fantasy football league. Not lost. (laughs) Well done. Great tweet. That's pretty well played uh, by the Waffle House. Do we have Waffle Houses up here in Des Moines? Oh, I don't think so. I don't even, I'm not even sure. Like, I've been to one. I've been to one in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. That's the only time I've ever been to a Waffle House. It's like right on the 
the border between Missouri and and Kansas. Yeah, but I don't know if there are any this far up north. I don't. I think the most northern one is like Indiana. Okay, so it kind of goes around us. Yeah, the Waffle House. Okay, gotcha. All right. Well, I don't know what a, I mean. Again, our punishment is just embarrassment, and you don't get any money. You know, you lose. Or in one league, if you finish dead last, you win the losers bracket. You actually get to uh, get your money back. Yeah. But this is pretty awesome for them to. I'm trying to pinch out here the uh, the the map to see how far south. How, no, yeah, you're right. There are 642 down in the south. <laughs> the closest one to us, I think, is in Kansas City, and then, like you said, in Indiana is the furthest north. There might be some in Pennsylvania too. So. There are 1,046 stores in the Waffle House chain. This guy spent 15 hours in one of them. My God. If you had to pick a restaurant to spend an entire 24 hours in, what would you pick? Oh. And this is not to dog on Waffle House. Like, I'm sure some people really, really this love Waffle House. might be a weird House. one, but I'd pick Applebee's. Okay. It's a nice establishment. It's, it's nice, yeah. and it has a lot of food you can choose from. Yeah, it's a nice establishment. I mean... Waffle houses aren't exactly known for being the cleanest places no, on the no, planet. No. Or, you know, Waffle House isn't exactly known for being <laughs> the most uppity restaurant in the world. Like, it's a truck stop, greasy spoon, kind of anything goes kind of restaurant. Yeah. Uh, he wrote, real quick before we get out, I know we have to go to break, two back-to-back tweets from this guy. Again, his name is Lee Sanderlin. He's on Twitter at Lee O. Sanderlin. He's a writer, by the way, a journalist for the local paper down there. He says that, yeah, they're going down like cement now, and the heart is beating real heavy-like, and the only non-employee in here got half of Waffle 6 left and so many hours. <laughs> Followed by, damn, the sixth Waffle is not going down. Got my first shift change here, and the homies are getting a good tip, looking to rally. Those Waffles are so big, too. Like, they're, that's, they're big. Like, that's a lot. That's a feat in itself. It's almost like a man versus food sort of thing. You know? Kind of. Yeah, but this is like survivor meets man versus exactly. food meets fantasy <laughs> football. <laughs> uh, we're going to hear from it. The conversation last night, if you're watching that basketball game, one of them is all about how to guard Kevin Durant. And P.J. Tucker of the Milwaukee Bucks had some awesome comments uh, about battling Kevin Durant and what his job was. You'll hear him next. Phone lines are open. 515-244-1350. This is Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. Since game three until game six, we played four great games. Four great games, and uh, we just got to keep doing, keep trying to keep doing one another, keep... Um, trust in our habits, uh, keep making it tough for them. Uh, unfortunately, game five didn't go our, our way, but it was a good game. We pushed them to the limits. That's Giannis Ndedekumbo. He was talking after the win yesterday. The Bucks beat the New Jersey. Check that. Brooklyn. Ooh, it's only been a few years, Wicket. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets in game six, setting up a game seven. My name is Mike Wicket here on Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. ESPN Des Moines.com on Twitter at ESPN DSM. There's been a lot of talk about Giannis, and I've spent a lot of time on this show talking about Giannis, uh, being a fan of Giannis, having talked to Giannis before, and watching Giannis grow from this skinny, kind of gangly dude that was grown, or growing, I should say, when he came over from Greece, when he was picked, and no one knew how to say his name, and half of the world still doesn't know how to say his name. And to see his game 
and his body completely transform over the last eight years has been unreal. But what Giannis lacks is the ability that Kevin Durant has. And, you know, one of the things people have been talking about with Kevin Durant for his entire career, especially when he left Oklahoma City, was he has to go somewhere with help, that he can't be the man. He had to go join up with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson in Golden State, and they won a title. He goes to Brooklyn, where Kyrie is. They have to bring in James Harden. And the question has always been, what, you know, can Kevin Durant ever be the man without another superstar? Well, the problem, look, the NBA today, nobody can win in the NBA without another superstar or another you know, couple of really good players. Michael couldn't do it back in the day. Nobody could. We've talked about this. Everybody knows it. You just can't. Listen, if, if, uh, if James Harden can't play tomorrow night or goes out like he did early in this series in game one and there's no Kyrie and it comes down to just Durant and the rest of the guys, I think the Bucks probably win by 20. But that's what James, they won by 15 last night, but James Harden played. He's about 75% or whatever the case may be. But the question about Kevin Durant is always going to linger until he does it on his own or can pull and be the man. He was a finals MVP with the Warriors, but you also have the two greatest shooters maybe in the history of the NBA, or at least the greatest shooter in the history of the NBA in Steph Curry and and also Klay Thompson. But what he did in Game 5 earlier this week was incredible. One of the great performances you'll ever see in an NBA playoff game. And the Bucks had no answer. It's hard to guard uh, Kevin Durant. Just so you know. Doesn't matter who you are. It's hard to guard Kevin Durant. And P.J. Tucker was brought in at the trade deadline by the Milwaukee Bucks specifically to try to lock someone down like Kevin Durant. Again, it's really hard to guard Kevin Durant regardless of who you are. But yesterday and the last game they played in Milwaukee in Game 5, I'm sorry, in, in the last game they played last night in Milwaukee in Game 5, the last time they were in Milwaukee in Game whatever, you know what I'm trying to say. He has been physical. Did you just get an email there, Pete? Uh, yeah. You, you did? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was physical in Game, what, 4 was in Milwaukee? He was physical in Game 6, which was in Milwaukee? And P.J. Tucker was asked about his battles. This is a great soundbite. His battles with Kevin Durant. He's gonna score. So you mean I'm gonna deal with this? There's nothing you can do. You can fight him as much as you want. He's gonna, he's gonna hit some crazy shots. He's gonna score a lot of them. It's gonna happen so much. I gotta switch it up. I gotta give him different looks. I can't guard him the same every time. I pick him up full course sometimes. Sometimes I fight over. Sometimes I try to get under. Sometimes I try to, I try to try to try to do everything I can, any type of advantage to make him not score. But he's gonna do it. So I don't get frustrated. So it's gonna happen. You gotta go next play, next play. What we can't do is get frustrated with him scoring. Now people start trying to help, and now everybody else starts scoring, and that's when it gets ugly. And that's when game one and game two happens. So my job is to keep him in front, fight him as much as can I can, and make sure that nobody else has to help, so they can stay home on their man. That's my job. Kevin Durant had 32 last night. Shot 15 of 30. He was two of eight from three. He was not nearly as unbelievable as he was in game five because game five was just nuts 49 or whatever he had i mean he was it was, it was insane and the, the the difference between a guy like Giannis and a guy like kevin durant it's obvious i don't think Giannis will ever learn to be a good jump shooter 
Kevin Durant made his career out of being a good jump shooter. And I think Kevin Durant is an underrated defender. If you watched that game last night, how many blocks and how many deflections and how many times did Kevin Durant disrupt interior passing by Milwaukee? He's done that for most of his career. I mean, when you're 6'10", and your arms are, you know, 12 feet long or whatever, that's, it, it, it's, it's an unbelievable body type that he's got. And his ability to defend really complements his ability to score. We know the guy can score. He, he shoots from all over and literally over people. The problem is when you've got P.J. Tucker, who might get into foul trouble because he's playing a physical brand of basketball, or even when he's in there, it's just a matter of height. Like, I like P.J. Tucker, and if you're a fan of watching good defense and old-school basketball, you like what P.J. is doing with Kevin Durant. But Kevin Durant is 6'10". P.J. Tucker is 6'5", and that's a generous 6'5". When you're that much taller than a guy and you elevate and you have the long arms that Kevin Durant has, he's able to score over P.J. Tucker. Did you happen to watch the fourth quarter last night? When Giannis or anybody, but I'll talk about Giannis here specifically, when Giannis came over to help or on a switch... When Giannis was then the primary defender or the help defender on Kevin Durant, Katie can't get over Giannis. He's just as tall. He's just as lanky. He's just as long. He didn't score when Giannis defended him. Mike Budenholzer has been very unwilling, is the word I'll put. Mike Budenholzer has been very unwilling to make any sort of defensive adjustment until last night. Until last night, Budenholzer and this, this defense that the Bucks play where they like to pack the paint and they say they kind of give up more open threes than anybody, which is terrible in the NBA because everybody in the NBA can shoot. But when you watched last night and what you figured out was maybe you need to double team the baddest man on the planet. Maybe one of the top five or ten scorers in the history of the NBA deserves more than just singular coverage from a guy who is five inches shorter than he is. And it took Budenholzer five games to figure this out. And I don't even know if this was Bud's call. Because you know the players are getting frustrated. They hear it. Giannis is the, defending, the, the defensive player of the year last season. There have been three guys ever to win MVP and defensive player of the year in the same year. Hakeem Olajuwon, Michael Jordan, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. But the defensive player of the year for the Bucks was never put solely on Kevin Durant until last night. And it wasn't even, he didn't draw him. It was still P.J. Tucker or Chris Middleton or whomever. If the Bucks want to win this series, you have to do everything you can if, if Kevin Durant is going to be having one of those nights. And if you're a Nets fan you better be darn sure that Kevin Durant is going to be given the ball every single time down the court. At one point last night in the third quarter, he scored 10 straight for, for Brooklyn. If you're the Bucs, counter to that. If you're the Bucs, you can't allow that to happen. If Joe Harris is going to beat me, all right, fine. But I'm not going to let Kevin Durant just go off for 60. You've got to figure out a way to stop that man. You don't have a full... Uh, 100% James Harden. Joe Harris has had a terrible series so far. You think Blake Griffin's going to be the one to beat you or Jeff Green's going to be the one to beat you? If you're the Milwaukee Bucks, you have to figure out a way to stop that dude.
All right? And he had 32 last night, and that was a bad night. But a lot of that happened in the fourth quarter. A lot of the missed shots, a lot of the contested shots, a lot of the shots where Durant didn't get good looks came in the fourth quarter. And that's when the Bucks finally, the light went on. Hey, we should double this guy. They didn't double him once. Now, him driving into double coverage is not the same thing as when he gets the ball, a second defender coming over to help double team. That's not the same thing. All right? But last night, you actually saw it. You saw Brooke Lopez drift out. You saw Chris Middleton drift over. You saw Giannis help and get put on him on the switch. The difference in this game is going to be the Bucks' defensive adjustments, what they can do, if they can slow down Kevin Durant, and honestly, if James Harden can step his level of play, he has no bounce. The hamstring is still a worry, still messing with him. But it's going to come down to those two guys right there. This is game seven. It comes down to your stars. You can take your Pat Connaughton's and your Joe Harris's and your Jeff Green's, and you can throw them by the wayside. This comes down to Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday for the Bucks, And this comes down to the baddest man on the planet and Kevin Durant and James Harden for the Brooklyn Nets. I don't think he plays tomorrow night. If he does, he's in that conversation as well. Game seven, it's going to be a war. Pete, who's going to win tomorrow night? The Nets or the Bucks? Um, I'm going Bucks. I'll be honest, I'm going Bucks. I think they have kind of the, they know what, I think uh, Rami said it well, is that they didn't really play like themselves for most of this series. And I feel like now they're kind of in a position to be like, okay, now we know what we're doing. And I think that, I don't know, this is the first away, away win that we're going to see in this series. you got a bright future in this industry. You're a smart man, Pete. I appreciate that. Up next, LeBron says he called it. I call BS on LeBron. We'll talk about it next. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN DSM. This is Wicket's World on Des Moines, 1350 ESPN. Thirteen fifty ESPN, Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wicket. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. So we have uh, the Cubs and Marlins pregame at six thirty. First pitch at seven ten. Cubs lost three out of four in New York. They fell to the matter. Uh, they won last night. They beat the Mets two nothing, but they dropped the uh, first three of the series at City Field. I didn't realize, by the way, that the U.S. Open was going on. I don't know what that says about me, but. With my life, I was watching basketball yesterday and saw this update on Phil Mickelson. I'm like, U.S. Open going on? I have no idea. I feel like Phil just won the PGA like two hours ago. But the, uh, yeah, the, the U.S. Open is going on. More basketball this weekend, baseball this weekend. But this was a story I wanted to get to. Um, LeBron James. And I'm a big LeBron fan. Like, I don't understand all the LeBron hate. Um, you know, I think... I think a lot of people have a problem with the way that LeBron uh, wants to address social issues because forever it was kind of ingrained in people that athletes, there were only a couple of athletes that jumped into the social issue game. And a lot of people don't like that. And the way things are now, everything is divisive and everything is immediate and everything hits Twitter and then gets dissected by one political talk show or another political talk show. And then all of a sudden, we have one of the greatest basketball players ever to walk the earth is now a martyr <laughs> because he has an opinion on stuff. Like, that's the difference between Michael and LeBron is, for the most part, up until very, very recently, 
Michael didn't really speak out about social issues. Mike knew, in his mind, the best plan was stay quiet on those social issues, play basketball, win titles, and grow his global brand. And that's his prerogative. LeBron's prerogative is, is win titles, jump from team to team, win titles, bring one back for Cleveland, and speak out on social issues. But if you haven't seen his latest tweet or this latest bit of controversy, he writes, and for the record, LeBron didn't want a 72-game season. He didn't want, because think about this, we're in round two of the NBA playoffs, and it's June 18th. <laughs> we're not going to crown an NBA champion until August. LeBron tweets out, they all didn't want to listen to me about the start of the season. I knew exactly what would happen. I only wanted to protect the well-being of the players, which ultimately is the product and benefit of our game. These injuries isn't just part of the game. It's the lack of pure rim rest. I think it means rim, but uh, before starting back up, eight, possibly nine All-Stars has missed playoff games, most of league history. This is the best time of the year for our league and fans, but missing a ton of our favorite players, it's insane. If there's one person know that how about the body works and how it works all year round it's me i speak for the health of all of our players and hate to see so many injuries this time of year sorry fans wish you guys were seeing all of your faves right now well let's let's back up here Kawhi leonard just got hurt from the clippers Kawhi's had a knee injury for the last two years i mean Kawhi championed load management a couple of years ago uh that injury has very little to do i think with the 72-game season that started on Christmas. Uh, some of the other guys that have gotten hurt, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis has been hurt his entire career. He's, he's not, when you're, he's one of the great big men ever, but Anthony Davis has been sort of glass. Chris Paul, I don't think a, a full-off season saves Anthony Davis. Chris Paul, who's going to miss the start of the Western Conference Finals, may have COVID. That has nothing to do with time off. Some of these other injuries, like Kyrie Irving, Kyrie hurt his ankle three games ago. It's not like regular season rest would have saved Kyrie Irving's ankle. Joel Embiid, stop me if you've heard this, Joel Embiid is hurt. Joel Embiid is hurt all the time. You know, a lot of these, I mean, James Harden pulled a hamstring. James Harden's never in shape. Look at him. He looks like he ate a guy named James Harden. So in response to his tweets, NBA spokesman Mike Bass said, Injury rates were virtually the same this season as they were during the 2019-20 season. While starter level and all-star players missed games due to injury at similar rates as the last three seasons. While injuries are an unfortunate reality of our game, we recognize the enormous sacrifices NBA players and teams have made to play through this pandemic. He's right. Like, this, this offseason being short has nothing to do with some of the injuries we're seeing. A lot of these guys get hurt. A lot of these are freak injuries. Just the way that it goes down. It sucks. But LeBron's wrong on this one. And I'm a LeBron guy. I support a lot of what LeBron stands for. I love watching LeBron play. But he's wrong on this one. Pete, thanks so much, man. Have yourself a good weekend. Thanks to Rami Makalov for joining me. My name is Mike Wickett. If you missed anything, podcast it at ESPNDesMoines.com. We'll put it up on Facebook as well. Cubs baseball tonight here on 1350 ESPN. ESPN Radio takes you the rest of the way. Have yourself a great weekend and a happy Father's Day to my dad.